Hello and welcome to Wellness Rockstars, ordinary people living rockstar lives. We're your hosts, Scott and Rachel Burnham. We became business owners of a fitness studio in January 2020, and we love seeing people's lives transform through fitness. In this podcast, we'll take a dive into the stories of people who are crushing their wellness goals and discover how they are pushing to be the best versions of themselves every day. In today's episode, we'll specifically be looking at our own stories and discover the why behind Rockstar Wellness. Let's get started. Welcome everyone. We are so excited to be sharing the stories of some amazing individuals that are crushing their wellness goals throughout each episode of this podcast. However, today we are excited to share our own personal stories. Uh, I think it's important that we share how we got to the point that we're at right now. When we met 12 years ago, we never imagined that we would be so involved in fitness, open a fitness studio, or even start a podcast, but here we are. So today we'll start our podcast journey by exploring how our own personal journey brought us to this point and why we decided to open a fitness studio in Marietta. So let's get started. Well, Rachel, why don't you go ahead and start us out with talking a little bit about your past and growing up uh, your early childhood years so the listeners get a better feel for kind of your roots. Sure. So I actually grew up uh, around it, it, Lowell, Ohio. It's a small town right uh, outside of Marietta, which is where we currently have our business, a small rural area. But I uh, grew up on a produce farm and really loved that. It was such a fun way to grow up being outside and uh, working on the farm with the family all summer. It was a really special childhood and a great experience. Um, I was also quite active growing up uh, as far as sports go. I played volleyball for uh, four years, varsity volleyball for four years in high school. ran a little track in junior high, which was my first step into sports. I really wasn't into t-ball or soccer or any of those things that a lot of kids do growing up, but I did start dancing when I was six years old. And uh, I started with five years of clog (laughs) and baton. I started in baton as well. And then when I was 11 or 12, I believe I transitioned to a different dance studio, which uh, is the one that I still teach at now. And I started taking ballet and jazz and tap is my absolute favorite, Uh, musical theater, point, hip-hop, pretty much anything that I could do with dance I did. So I did competitive dance and then became an assistant teacher and loved all of that. So I stayed stayed relatively active growing up, um, probably more in high school and junior high than, than in my elementary years, but definitely had an active lifestyle. Interestingly enough with food though, I did struggle a bit I didn't really have that food is fuel mindset growing up. Uh, We were quite busy, even though we lived on a produce farm. We stayed very busy and uh, tended maybe not to eat the healthiest growing up just because of how busy we were during the summer. We had all this awesome produce and there wasn't 
a whole lot of time to prepare and eat any of it. Um, I feel like that's where I struggled, which is what we'll see come up again later in my story. So Scott, how about you? Would you share some of your past pre pre college where we met? Yeah, definitely. So Rachel and I do have uh, several things in common, but one is that we both grew up on farms. Uh, my parents have a dairy farm in northwestern Pennsylvania, so I grew up in a small town named Conneautville, which is about 30 minutes south of Erie, Pennsylvania, located in the, the northwest corner of the state. So I grew up on the farm, working the farm, taking care of calves, taking care of sheep and lambs. Uh, Different farm experience for me that mm-hmm. isn't that you worked with animals a lot more than, than we we had vegetables <laughs> and fruits. <laughs> right, yeah. So we had pigs, sheep, uh, cows, had a rooster for a while, um, <laughs> I think a goat once or twice. But uh, yeah, so I grew up doing that, doing 4-H, FFA. I was also involved in sports. Uh, my, my family was very... Uh, very involved in sports. I have two older brothers and one younger brother, and we've all played different sports throughout high school. So when I was younger, I would play soccer, and then soccer transitioned into baseball, and I played baseball all the way through uh, up to high school. And then during high school, I played football um, and a little bit of volleyball, but really football and baseball were the two biggest ones. Uh, I didn't run other than just uh, getting ready for the football or baseball season. My Which is interesting since that is your sport of choice now. Right, yeah, that's kind of my passion now, but growing up, running um, wasn't really a sport per se that was offered at my school. It was a very small school. Um, I graduated with about 52 people in my class, so it was a very small school, so we didn't have all the sports that were offered, so that wasn't available. Then my senior year of high school, we really wanted to look at different schools. Um, I had two older brothers, like I said. They both went to college. Uh, my family felt that that was very important. So the summers leading up to my senior year, even even my sophomore year, I started looking at schools. But really that summer before my senior year, my dad and I took several road trips around um, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kentucky. I even applied to a school in Missouri but uh, just trying to find the right school for me. And we had one weekend where we probably went to different, like eight different colleges. That's quite a weekend. Yeah, there was a lot packed into that. And one of those was actually uh, Marietta College. And it wasn't it wasn't really on my radar, I have to say. Um, they, they offered me a very small scholarship for a leadership conference that I went to. So I decided to uh, just give them a shot to see what the campus was like. And I have to say I was very interested after that. They they had petroleum engineering, which is what I eventually went to college for. And uh, the professor there, Dr. Uh, Robert Chase, did a great job of selling that program. But also the, the tour guide, the admissions staff, the other counselors and professors that I met were all just very welcoming. And uh, I think that's something that really set Marietta College apart from all the other institutions I looked at. So coming out of high school... Um, I had the intention of going to Marietta College. Yeah, and I felt the same about Marietta College, even though I grew up in the area. And uh, I I definitely loved the feel of the campus. Uh, I did live on campus, even though I only lived about 20 minutes from Marietta. But I did enjoy the college experience, and I still felt like I was far away enough from home, but not 
too far. Uh, interesting fact, my youngest brother is 19 years younger than me, so he was actually born my freshman year of college. So I was really thankful that I'd already secured Marietta as my choice because I, I actually did that before we found out about Ty. So, so it was a good it was a good choice. It was meant to be. I didn't look at near as many schools as Scott did. Uh, it was pretty set in stone, but the leadership department was definitely a draw for me. And uh, I always seem to know what I wanted to do. I'm definitely a planner. Growing up, I think when I was in eighth grade, I decided that I wanted to be an accountant. That's a strange <laughs> profession to choose that early on in, uh, in your life, but that's what I decided. I dabbled in a couple other interests as well. One of them uh, was dietetics and uh, nutrition, but I eventually strayed away from that and ended up in public accounting at Marietta College, which is where our stories collide for the first time. Yeah, we we meet each other. (laughs) (laughs) So Scott uh, entered the leadership program the same year I did, even though we are different classes. He's a year older than me in school. Um, We're only about seven months apart in age, but Thankfully, he was in the petroleum engineering program because that meant that he started the leadership program a year late just due to the requirements of the uh, the program. So we ended up in the same leadership cohort, um, myself as a freshman and Scott as a sophomore. But I we got to come to campus early for orientation for the leadership program, but I don't think we met the week of orientation for leadership. I don't remember seeing you, even though it's only well, it's like, six, 60 students. Yeah, 60 to 80 students, but you kind of are divided up into small groups. So you really get to know your small group members well, but not necessarily everyone else in the cohort. So Rachel and my paths didn't really uh, collide until later in the year. The first memory I have of meeting you, we had a barbecue on campus And one of our professors gave away dinner at her house, which was very exciting. And I ended up winning that dinner. So Scott boldly came up and asked me if he could have a spot (laughs) in the group that I took to dinner. And I had no idea who he was and just kind of wrote it off. But somehow he ended up coming to that dinner with us. It it wasn't so much like I forced myself (laughs) into the situation but, uh, he just really wanted to go to dinner. Yeah, I, I just really wanted to go to the leadership professor's house. And, <laughs> and have enjoy dinner. dinner. Yes. Yes. Stomach was, was leading the way there. Yeah. But we ended up spending some time together throughout the semester after that and uh, turned out to be a good thing. So uh, we had a friendship first and then a dating relationship later and um, ended up married. But later on in our college careers, Scott graduated in 2011 and moved to Houston, Texas. So my senior year of college, I was fortunate enough to have an internship uh, right before I started my senior year in in Houston, Texas, actually, where I would go and later work. But it was with uh, BP, uh, formerly known as British Petroleum. And I worked there uh, for that summer, so about May through August. But BP has a really great internship program, and they pair you up with another student um, that you live with and hopefully you're friends with. And in my case, it worked out really good. So 
I uh, was able to live with someone else who was also very passionate about fitness and, and a runner. So at this point in my life, I just really ran for recreation, you know, stress relief. Uh, when I had that internship, though, I was roomed with a cross-country runner from the Colorado School of Mines who was also an engineer working for BP. So he had a goal at the end of the summer to run this 5K in Texas in August. It was a really cool one, though. It was, yeah, Houston, it, in, Te- Houston in August is yes, quite warm. Sweltering hot. But it was a very interesting race because it was at uh, Space Center, Houston. But they have a lot of the, the technology down there at the, the NASA park. And there's, you know, a couple ways to get into the NASA park. And one way is to pay for it. And the other way is to, to run through it. And that's the way I did it, um, at least at least this time. So it was called the Lunar Rendezvous 5K. And I ran this race, and you run 3.1 miles around uh, one of the Saturn V rockets and around uh, some research laboratories. And they have, like, a farm there with longhorn cattle. And it was just a really, really cool experience. And it was a relatively large race, too. Uh, I think it was about seven to 800 runners. So for my first race, I was... Um, I was pretty happy just to be out there and um, definitely learned learned a lot. <laughs> did you have a goal going into it? Oh, I, I don't really think I did. So that was my first ever 5K. And I just remember finishing, and I think it was like 22, 30 or something like that. Because, yeah, I think it might have been a little less than that, 21 maybe. Maybe 21, but m- much slower than my standards are today. We have the photo at home. I actually bought the picture for Scott for Christmas that year and framed it, and it had his, it has his time on it, so we'll have to look it up and see what it actually was. But it's not the Scott Burnham that we know now. He had um, these really clunky Adidas shoes on that are definitely weighing him down just a little bit. Um, longer basketball shorts instead of running running yeah, gear. And, and a cotton t-shirt that's just drenched with sweat. <laughs> <laughs> so it was definitely his entry into the racing scene. Right. But I, I had no, no clue about what was good in a 5K and what, you know, kind of what standards were. But uh, my my friend uh, Andrew, the, the cross-country runner, you know, he did much better than me. Um, and he said, oh, yeah, that's that's a pretty good place to start. So... Um, yeah, that was a really good summer, and I was very thankful to be able to to do that race and have that relationship that really started my running. Um, but then my senior year of college, like I said, didn't do a whole lot of running, just stress relief, um, ran in the morning sometime just, just for something to do. Um, and then when I moved back to Houston, I had a job with another petroleum company, and that's really when I started uh, doing more athletic endeavors, more running. I signed up for more 5Ks. You started biking. I started biking too. So at that time, I was living with another individual who was really into into cycling. He and, did Ironman. Yeah, he did an Ironman down in Houston, and he loved to travel. And he was a good inspiration for me as well. Um, so I, I kind of took his lead and got a bicycle and then uh, actually – did some, not races, but uh, they just call them kind of touring rides. There's a really large one. Uh, it used to be sponsored by the MS Society, and it was called the MS-150. Actually, the BP MS-150, it was sponsored by BP, and it was a ride from Houston to Austin, which, depending on your route and where you started at, was anywhere from 90 to 150 miles. But that was a really cool experience, Um 
really my first uh, trial into the endurance sports world. Um, you know, a, a marathon running really wasn't something I was looking for. I was just doing 5Ks, 10Ks at that point and, and quite a bit of cycling. Um, but uh, that was that was really great living in Houston there for a year. And then my company at that time also had work in Arkansas, other places in Texas and Pennsylvania. So I was able to uh, get relocated to northeastern Pennsylvania. Um, so at this point in my life, I was in my working career. Rachel, what, what were you doing at this point? So when Scott moved to Houston, I had one more year at Marietta College. So I stayed behind in Marietta. We were a 24-hour drive apart for a while, <laughs> which was unfortunate. But in the meantime, I continued to study public accounting at Marietta College. I was on the dance team. I was the captain my senior year, so I was still really active in dance. Um, I was teaching competitive dance at the time as well and uh, starting that part of my journey, so I was staying active. Um, and then I received an offer for what I believe to be my dream job before my senior year started. So I, I was offered a position in Columbus, Ohio with a big four public accounting firm as an auditor. And I decided to take it, even though that meant Scott and I were going to be spending more more time apart. Uh, they couldn't guarantee that I could get a transfer to Houston right away, so they recommended that I stay in Columbus. Um, but in the meantime, Scott had moved back to Scranton, so we were only eight hours apart instead of the 24. <laughs> right, right. Now, now this year, uh, how long did you work for Deloitte? It was more than a year, wasn't it? So about a year and a half. Um, maybe we were approaching the two-year mark. I didn't quite make it okay. there. But my experience at Deloitte was, um, it wasn't what I expected, I, I guess, if you would say I remember, that way. I remember a lot of long hours. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of long hours. I'm pretty sure I called you crying um, a lot more during than once. that time. Mm -hmm. So as part of... Um, public accounting and, and my audit position, I was expected to take and pass the CPA exam. So for anyone that doesn't know what that consists of, it's it's a four-part exam. Each exam takes about four hours to complete, and you have 18 months, I believe is the time frame that you have to pass all four parts, and you can only take each part so often. Um, so you can only take one exam, I believe, in each testing window. So it's really strict as far as um, the timing and, and making sure that you get those exams done. So I'd passed the first one my um, the summer that I had off before I started my job in Columbus. However, I um, was not so fortunate on the tax part of that exam. I think the four parts were audit, tax, business, and financial, I think, were the four parts. And uh, I wasn't so I wasn't so fond of taxes. <laughs> I mean, still not fond of tax uh, accounting. However, uh, so I, I had to uh, retake some parts. And, and in the meantime, I started my job. Was, and Scott said the hours were long. I found myself on busy season a lot, which meant that instead of working a minimum 40 hours a week, my minimum hours jumped to 55. And in reality, that number was much higher. So, uh, it was working all day and then I would go home and study for the CPA exam and then <laughs> go sit for these exams um take a take a day off to go take this exam basically is what I was doing uh with no time to really study it was making passing those exams and the and the time frame really challenging and this really took a toll on your health right oh it absolutely did uh I was under a lot of stress um I was 
I found myself on busy season after busy season. Normally you think of a, a busy season for an accountant as being like January through March. Uh, I often, or through April, I often found myself on busy season, not only those months, but in the summer months as well. Um, as a, a lot of uh, retailers have their their uh, year end in the middle of the summer and then other businesses have their year end in September. So I was constantly on a busy season and working crazy, crazy hours. <laughs> I think the worst, the worst hours I ever worked, it was um, like a 7.30 or 8 a.m. start and I would get home about 11 p.m. It was- wow. <laughs> those are long those hours. Very <laughs> long hours. Um, the other part I think that really contributed to, I started to have some health problems around this time. So you're already not getting much sleep. <laughs> right, not getting you're sleep. <laughs> probably not eating very well because you're at the office, right? Right. So um, our company actually paid for one meal a day while we were on busy season, which was convenient for us. However, probably not the healthiest when you're eating out at least one meal a day. And then you're either packing your lunch or you're going out again <laughs> um, to get lunch somewhere. Um, and, and then you're being fed dinner from a restaurant as well. So definitely not great for our health. Uh, we also had the dreaded snack drawer. <laughs> so we we would work uh, on, site, on site at our clients. So um, if I was assigned a particular client, more often than not, I was not in our home office. I was in the I was in a conference room on site with the client so that I could get the information that I needed. And so while we were there, we would have these um, filing cabinet drawers that were dedicated just to our snacks, which were consisted of candy and chips and things that weren't great for us. And we also um, would take turns baking. <laughs> so one client uh, Monday and Wednesday were baked goods days, <laughs> so somebody was assigned the task of bringing in something sweet to share with everyone. So yes, I definitely did not eat well during that time, but I think more than anything, the the stress is what really got to me. Um, that that manifested itself physically too, right? Yeah. So it was August two thousand thirteen. I I'd been very sick. I'd been laid up in bed on the weekends. Um, and what little time I did actually have to myself that summer, I, I was very ill. Um, and eventually my mom came to Columbus and took me to the emergency room where I had a CT scan done and I was referred out to a gastroenterologist. At that point, they didn't really know what was wrong. I had several upper endoscopies and a colonoscopy and it was discovered that I had ulcers all throughout my stomach think I may have had one in my esophagus. Thankfully, there weren't in not there weren't any in my uh, colon because that would have been a whole other issue. Um, but it definitely wasn't ideal. I tested negative for all of the bacteria that causes ulcers, so there was really never any determination of why I had them in the first place. Um, which it was very frustrating. There was uh, there was never any answer, and the and the answer seemed to be just putting me on medication which made me almost feel worse some of the time. So I continued to work a busy season during this period of my life. Uh, sometimes sitting upright was extremely painful. Um, I would have to go to work as long as I would sit up at work as long as I could. And then I would just tell my supervisor, I've got to go home. And uh, I would be allowed to go home and lay on the couch and work uh, as long as I kept I kept working. Uh, I was able to decrease my hours to a minimum 45, but again, I was still working 
way more than that. <laughs> so it was just, it was just not a great experience for me at that point. And I think I just didn't handle stress well. Um, I was at my lowest weight. However, I was probably the unhealthiest that I've ever been at the same time. Um, I couldn't eat anything <laughs> without pain. And I started to develop a lot of intolerance to um, certain foods. So my lactose intolerance started then. Um, I was having trouble with a lot of vegetables. Just there were random foods that would just set me off. And it was getting hard to find anything that my body could actually handle. So that was a very difficult time. We were planning our wedding at the time. We knew that I had to to find a way to get healthier before we got married. So I made the difficult decision to leave my job in the early spring of 2014. I left that job. And from my perspective, that was that was extremely difficult as um, I've always been a person that knows what I want. And it felt like I had almost failed in a way. Um, I'd spent four years of college working on that degree and I felt like I was throwing it away. And another part of that is you were working on your CPA exam too, right? Yeah, I was still working on my CPA exam and I was getting really close to that 18 month mark. So I put in my five weeks notice in January and, uh, which is, I, I was trying to help out the company and not leaving really, uh, unexpectedly because busy season isn't fun. It's not, it's fun to try to fill spots. So I gave them that time to try to fill my spot. And, um, I continued to study for that last CPA exam and it eventually came down to whether I passed that exam or not as to what my next step was. So I either passed this exam or I failed it. And that if I failed it, I knew I was going to have to start over by taking the first exam that I ever took again, which was very disheartening because that section of the exam completely changed from the first time that I took it. So everything that I learned for the first exam was changing, and that was extremely daunting as well for me. So I knew that I was either going to pass this last exam or I was done taking these exams, and I was going to step away from accounting. I never really thought I would step away from accounting, um, so it was all kind of in the 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 hands of this exam. Uh, my roommate and I had a great relationship. She also had a very stressful job, so we talked a lot about what we would do if we could do anything. And I kept coming back to some things that I felt, I don't know, just were more fulfilling. Like, I, I love teaching dance. That was something that was always on my mind. Um, and then I started thinking about fitness a little bit. But I never considered going away from accounting until that last exam. I failed by one to two points, which was devastating to uh, to fail by by that little. But at that point, it solidified my decision. And uh, I moved back to Lowell and continued to plan our wedding, tried to get healthier, focused on teaching dance for the next few months and uh, just trying to decide what came next. Right. And I think what came next was getting married. <laughs> yeah, it was. Right. I, so my health improved some. Um, this, the decrease in stress definitely helped. Yeah. Um, it which, still wasn't 100%. Which is funny because planning a wedding is stressful <laughs> enough. <laughs> I actually found it quite fun. Yeah, we, we had a great wedding planner too. But, uh, but yeah, that is funny. You know, we're living eight hours apart. At that time, 
planning a wedding. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, not the most stressful time of our life. No, it actually was not. Yeah, so actually, it was, I it was not bad at all. Really enjoyed. <laughs> I really enjoyed planning a wedding. Um, but we, I was definitely feeling better and ready to embark on the next journey, which happened to be tap and burn, my first step uh, to bridge the gap in between dance and fitness. So it was a tap dance inspired fitness program. It just so happened that I was being trained in Philadelphia. So I went to see Scott right after I left my job (laughs) and he drove me to Philadelphia for my training. Uh, for those of you that know anything about training for different fitness licensing and uh, formats, um, usually have a, a class of people, in this case, it was one-on-one, which was very unique. I went to just a normal tap and burn class that they were having at the studio that day. And then the master trainer worked with me one-on-one. And then that was it. And I was ready to teach tap and burn. So it was just a bit different than um, any other experience I've had with training. But a definitely exciting time for me to step into that new, that new life and that new role. Right, and that's actually a class we still offer, we right? We do, you yeah, still, I love Tap You just tap taught it today, burn. didn't you? I did, yeah. <laughs> and I love Tap and Burn. It's so good. But Scott was extremely supportive of that decision as well. He told me, you know, do what makes you happy. And for a while, I didn't know what made me happy, but I, I was slowly figuring it out at that point. Next, I guess the next part of our story is us together. Right, after yeah. after marriage, after marriage post-marriage. <laughs> So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk about where our paths really started to evolve and and grow and how we really got into fitness. Looking for a way to connect with our Rockstar Fitness family? We know that it can be difficult to make it to the studio. Maybe you live outside of the Marietta, Ohio area, or have other obligations that prevent you from joining us live. We are excited to share our hybrid class experience with you. These options allow you to work out with us in real time from the comfort of your own home and sweat alongside those who are physically attending class at Rockstar Wellness. Join us for Bar Above, Strong Nation, Veriflow, Yoga, Zumba Gold, and Tap and Burn each week. More virtual options are coming to the schedule soon. Check out the full schedule of hybrid classes at www.rockstarwellnessllc.com backslash virtual. We cannot wait to rock a workout with you. Hi everyone, we're back and we're excited to share more of our story. We hope you've enjoyed it so far. We're just getting ready to talk about our lives together post-marriage, but we realized we actually need to back up just a bit. So a few months before our wedding, Scott decided, I got a phone call, and Scott had decided that it was a good idea to run a marathon during our honeymoon. Yeah, I mean, that's the best time to run a marathon, so I've heard, in a foreign country. <laughs> but we were, I, planning, we were planning a trip to Australia and New Zealand for our, our honeymoon. And so, Scott, tell me what, I, I actually don't know, why did you decide that running a marathon on our honeymoon was a good idea? Well, that year, so this was 2014 when we got yeah. married, I had bought a Runner's World calendar. 
And I remember looking at the calendar and it had all the big races on there. Berlin, London, Tokyo. So as I'm flipping through this calendar, I saw on November 1st, 2014, that there was one in Auckland, New Zealand. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. We're going to be going to New Zealand for our honeymoon. I wonder how that would work out or correspond with when we were there. (laughs) And when I started to do the math, it kind of figured into being one of the last few days that we would be in New Zealand. So um, I decided that that would probably be a good way to make my marathon debut. So when he pitched this to me (laughs) when we're planning our honeymoon, um, he said, Rachel, there's a half marathon that you can do too. My concern was, what am I going to do while you go run this marathon? And so I found myself signed up for the half marathon. Now, I am not a runner (laughs) at all. And Scott reminded me on the daily basis throughout the next several months before we went to New Zealand that I needed to train. But I was also planning our wedding. So my training, my longest training run was four miles. And I decided I had more pressing things to take care of. So, but I was really regretting that. (laughs) <laughs> that short, long run <laughs> leading up to our race in uh, New Zealand. It may have also not been the best plan on our part. We, Our hotel was really close to the finish line, and so we, we scoped out the finish line the day before the race, and we had a meeting place set. Ironically enough, that is not where we ended up meeting uh, for this race, But our grand plan was we had this meeting place. We were to meet there after we were done running. And if we didn't show up by a certain time, if one of us wasn't there, the other person was just supposed to head back to the hotel and wait. Seems like a terrible plan. I mean, we were in an English-speaking country. We didn't have our phones on us, but... We didn't have IDs. We did have the key card, I believe, (laughs) right? We each had had a hotel key card, and we carried it during the race, and that was was pretty much all we had. Now, you mentioned training, so I just want to touch on this real quick. Um, This being my first marathon, I wasn't really familiar at all with training, uh, really any type of regimented training. My 5Ks and 10Ks, I was really just running three to four days a week, just putting in some miles. So when I started this marathon, I really wanted to try to train hard and and do well. So I recruited one of my college friends uh, who was a very good runner at Marietta College. But ironically, he had never ran a marathon either. But he did have running experience. So he put together a plan for me and didn't really have any huge expectations. If I ran a 310 or 315, I probably wouldn't have been heartbroken since it was my first race. So fast forward to race day, we had a 3 a.m. wake-up call. We had to be on the ferry to cross the bay to another smaller town by 4.15 a.m. Scott's race started at 6 a.m., which is a pretty decently early start time for a race, really. Yeah, most of my races, I don't actually remember another one starting that early. But this is in Auckland, and there's the two races, like Rachel said. I think there was actually three or four, but the the marathon was first at 6 a.m., and then yours started an hour later. But the the Auckland, just to kind of set the stage a little bit, it's on a bay, and it's very, very pretty. It's known as the City of Sails. They have a lot of yachts and a lot of sailboats there. 
So you're kind of running along the bay. You go over at least one bridge. and The, the last bridge was very long. I <laughs> distinctly remember, I think it was around 10 miles. Mm-hmm. It was the 10-mile marker because I was about ready to, to quit. But we, we finished. Scott and I actually, even though he ran a marathon and I ran a half, we had very similar times. <laughs> but he did uh, get his Boston qualifying time, which was exciting. The meeting point did not work. I found Scott. Thankfully, I was looking for him um, once I crossed the finish line. Um, I knew what his target time was, so I knew he should be, he should have been done about an hour before me. But I found him in a random beanbag chair, <laughs> eating appetizers that a waitress was bringing around to everyone in that tent. So I'm not sure how he ended up there, but I'm glad that our paths crossed after the race and we managed to find each other and safely get back to our hotel. So Yeah, their post-race hospitality was really good. That's the only <laughs> race that I've ever sat in a beanbag chair chair and been waited on with uh <laughs> with little meat hors d'oeuvres yeah meat and fruit shish kebabs <laughs> yes it was very awesome but a really exciting time for us uh we hiked a volcano the back the next day which probably wasn't the best idea um our legs were very sore <laughs> very sore we looked very funny walking back to the ferry um we were actually really afraid it was going to leave us there it was the last ferry of the day and they don't care if they leave you over there because in New Zealand unlike Australia there aren't lots of things that can eat you and and hurt you so so um the worst thing that can happen if you get stuck somewhere overnight is you get wet so they would just leave you there but we actually had a flight to catch so we did we did hobble down the, the the volcano pretty quickly to get back to that ferry but that was our New Zealand adventure and the start of Scott's marathoning career. He told me at the end of that race he was never running another one. And then a few months later, in January of 2015, we were actually in Houston, Texas, and he was running another marathon. Yeah, so, so that's that's a quick turnaround. Again, I was a novice, but that was probably only about eight weeks, was, maybe maybe ten weeks. I think it was ten. But, uh, yeah, very quick turnaround to go from beginning of November to middle of January. And then run another one. And I actually ran just about the same time. I think I might have been 30 seconds or so off. But it was 2.58 and change. Um, So both of those were, you know, relatively good for a first-time marathoner. I was happy with them both. Um, The one in Houston was definitely a little tougher for me. I think just because I didn't fully recover the first time around. So, yeah, Scott Scott really got into the marathoning and the training. and, And at that point... We moved, we made it back from New Zealand to um, Scranton, mm-hmm. where we lived for a very short six months. Yeah, it, it seems, very short. seems longer for me because I was there for I you was know, not, two and a half years before that. I was not there very long. However, um, in the meantime, I did um, find a dance studio to teach at while we were there. Unfortunately, I was plagued with injury. Thankfully, that did not happen during the half marathon, but I started to have a lot of trouble with my knees. Um, I was still having a lot of my stomach issues that uh, I had prior to our marriage and um, just wasn't doing well at at all. Um, I ended up at an orthopedic surgeon surgeon ready to have an MRI performed on my knee. And um, in the meantime, while we were waiting for insurance to clear the... the, uh, order for that MRI, Scott suggested that maybe I visit a chiropractor, which ended up to be ended up being one of the best decisions I've ever made. Um, and when I walked in, they took one look at, at my the way my hips were aligned and 
noticed that one leg was actually about an inch longer than the other one. So after a quick adjustment, I walked out of the office without my knee brace for the first time in months and felt so much better. But unfortunately, those alignments weren't holding very long. So I was finding myself at the chiropractor minimum two times a week to get myself adjusted so that I could continue to teach and and do what I love to do. So it was still a really challenging time. Um, I was also making the transition deeper into group exercise at the time. I'd been looking at a program called Pound for about a year before I finally decided to take the plunge and go to training. I couldn't find a live class anywhere near us, so I bought the DVD. My poor, our poor neighbors, we had an upstairs apartment, so we had downstairs neighbors, and um, they lived underneath of a tap instructor and future pound pro, so that was, (laughs) I thankfully we were good friends, and they didn't mind all of the noise very much. Um, Every once in a while, we get a text message when I didn't realize they were home, and I was upstairs practicing, but for the most part, we did pretty well, keeping keeping quiet when they were home. but I did take the plunge into becoming a pound pro and, and live training was my first pound class live. Uh, it was love at first strike and I was just so blown away with how much I loved it and couldn't get, couldn't wait to teach it and decided that same year that I was going to take my uh, certification exam for group exercise and I was certified through the American Council on Exercise that uh, that same year. But about the point I got certified or licensed to teach pound, we ended up moving to Fairmont, West Virginia. Yeah. So I had an opportunity, um, in West Virginia, uh, to stay with the same company that I was working for. They had just purchased some more acreage and, uh, we saw that opportunity as a way to get closer to our families. We would be about three hours from my family and about two from the Marietta area where Rachel grew up. So uh, that was an internal transfer that we decided to uh, take. And do you remember when that was? It was June of 2015 that we moved to Fairmont. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we moved to Fairmont, West Virginia, which is kind of central West Virginia, um, 30, 45 minutes south of Morgantown. Uh, But a new area, we didn't know anyone there, didn't have really any friends. Um, So... You know, as a young adult or young adults, it's it is a little hard to kind of start over in in somewhere that you're not familiar with. But uh, and for me, it was the the second move, in, right? In less than a year, so right. it was it yeah, was we moved quite challenging. Yeah, we moved pretty frequently there in the beginning of our <laughs> marriage. But yeah, so I I had a job. I was working the job, and um, actually for my running training, so I was still still running and still training for races. And I actually had pretty good training territory down there because we were only about 15 minutes from a, a track at a high school, you know, 15 minutes from a rail trail that was almost pancake flat. And then, of course, it's West Virginia, so there's lots of hills. Um, <laughs> so the for me, the, the atmosphere and the environment for, for running was actually really good. And I had a I had great opportunity there as well. I, I ended up teaching at three different facilities, uh, one in Bridgeport one in Fairmont. I taught at Fairmont State University, and then I also taught at a gym in Morgantown. So I did drive quite a bit to get to all of these classes, but it was my first step into teaching group exercise. So I taught tap and burn and pound at um, all three of those facilities. And then I was close enough to Marietta that I actually went back to teaching dance once a week 
in Marietta at my um, former dance studio. So that was exciting to get back to my dance family and and some familiar territory um, and be able to get back to teaching tap and do what I love. And then also share group exercise in Marietta as well when I was when I was in town once a week. It was a lot of driving. When we moved to West Virginia, I also um, found a new chiropractor to take care of my back and keep my body moving. Um, but she actually provided a lot more insight into the deeper things that may be going on with my body and, and causing all of these issues that I was having. And so she encouraged me to take a step back and look at what I was actually eating. And at the time, there wasn't a whole lot I could actually handle. Um, so she helped me figure out a new way of eating, a new way of looking at food, um, maybe thinking about how the things that I'm putting in my body might actually be contributing to my overall health. And it really inspired us to get into cooking a little bit more. Um, meal prepping, we were really into that. With Scott's running, that seemed to be a logical step to help him meet his goals as well. So it was, uh, I was really interested in nutrition at that time. That's where my, my interest really started. And I actually took a certification course through ACE for fitness nutrition and then continued that journey into precision nutrition's health, co- uh, nutrition coaching program right after that. So really sparked an interest for me and I saw extreme changes in my, my health. I was able to get off all of my medication not right away, but over time, and uh, just really take control of my my health again. Yeah, no, that was yeah definitely a turning point I think for for you and and for me. Unfortunately, this was also in a period in the petroleum industry that was um, pretty difficult. Oil prices were low, natural gas prices were low, lots of companies were laying off employees, and that eventually found its way to my company. So this was a company that had two thousand employees. We've been there there for less than... Oh, my. Less than a year. Yeah, it was about eight months. Um, You know, this company operated in seven states, I think. And they went from 2,000 employees to 1,000 employees, basically, overnight. Uh, So we received a a text message one morning. And I vividly remember this because we had just got a massive snowstorm the weekend before it this. was 24 inches of snow and we were homebound and it was it was right. crazy i've never seen so much snow yeah and i think that weekend we went to our neighbors and played some board games or yeah, watched tv we had a or nice something time and then yeah so <laughs> we had this massive snowstorm and it's monday morning we get this uh text message or an e- an email rather on our phones that says that they're laying off a lot of people there had been rumors about this so it wasn't a complete surprise but it uh it was still surprising nonetheless. So I didn't have a great feeling about it being new to this division of the company. You're really the lowest man on the totem pole. Yeah. And still being pretty early in my career, um, you know, as an engineer. So I I think I took some boxes with me just, just in case type of thing. And of course, when I got to the office and actually my boss and I were supposed to go to a conference that morning and he texted me the, the night before and said, hey, Scott, uh, you better come into the office tomorrow. We won't be able to go to the conference. And I thought that was a little suspicious, uh, but I didn't realize that this is what he meant. So I went into the office, and um, I think I was one of the first people to be given the news. I um, think I, you called me by 9 a.m. I had no idea any of this was happening. Yeah, because I think I normally started my day at 7. 
yeah. back then. And by 9 a.m. he'd called. Yeah. So, yeah, it was... Um, that was a tough day. Yeah, it was definitely tough. Um, that's that's not something that I wish on anyone to go through. Uh, so However... There was some good things about it. Yes. Um, so it was it was definitely hard looking for a job and trying to find a new job in a industry that was going through a wall. But like Rachel said, we both had, um, you know, other passions. So I was actually training for the Boston Marathon at the time. Like I said, I, I met the qualifying standard and I had gotten in back in September is when they do that announcement and you have to put your name in. But I had gotten in, uh, which I was very thankful for. So this was now January 2016, and I have a lot of time on my hands, which means I can run a lot. We and, had a really warm spring after the snow ended. <laughs> right, and the winter. The winter was yeah. really warm, too. I yeah. remember runs in February that were in the 60s. So it was uh, it was actually really good training, and like I said, the environment there was really good. Rachel was still doing her fitness training. And yeah, we we were cooking a lot more. Um, we, we discovered were, juicing yes. at that point, so we were, uh, you know, using a juicing machine to make our own natural juices, which are delightful, by the way. Yes, they are, <laughs> and yeah, we were just we really had a lot of time to focus on our health and other things that were important to us in life. And and although that was a really difficult time, I I look back at it now and I'm so thankful that we had that time. And it was nice to have time together as well. I mean, we'd always been really busy and and all of a sudden we had a lot of time together, Mm -hmm. um, which was nice. Scott wasn't working crazy night shift and (laughs) anything like that. So it it was was really nice to have that time and get a chance to focus on other things that were important to us. So in April, uh, on Patriots Day, when the Boston Marathon happens, we, we took our trip up to Boston, yeah. got to spend it with some of our close college friends, and I ran surprisingly well. Everyone says that Boston is a really hard course, which it definitely is, but I actually was able to cut off almost 15 minutes from my previous time, putting me down to a 2.45 and change You marathon. were in the top 200. Is that right? Top 300. Top 300. There's about 30,000. 262? Yeah, it was something like that. I believe that's the placement. There's yeah. three. There's 30,000 runners that do that race approximately, and I was in the top 300, so I was, I was pretty happy about that. I was very pleased, and when they give you your bib, the bib is basically based on your qualifying standards, so I had a bib that was in like the five or six thousands and you see yourself passing people that have a bit much lower than you it uh feels pretty good it, it makes you feel pretty good <laughs> definitely from a spectator perspective that that race is difficult though because it's so hard to get a chance to to see your loved one run right because it's a point-to-point race so it's the boston marathon but it actually starts 26 miles away in Hopkinton, which is a small town. Then you go through several small towns. So for a spectator... You only get one shot. Yeah, you you can't go to <laughs> Hopkinton, or at least not very easily, and see the start and then come all the way back to Boston. You're, you're almost going to be better off just staying in one place, which is what you did. So we went to mile 26, which is right at the finish line. And there are just tons of people. And you had to find a stream of people that was moving in the direction that you needed to go, <laughs> which we luckily did. We found the stream that was moving towards the gates. And by some miracle, I found someone that was willing to let me slide in front of them for just a few minutes so I could see Scott run by 
at mile 26. We we were yelling and we were so excited we got to see him, but he put his name on his shirt. <laughs> so they encourage you to do that during the race so that people can yell your name as you run by. A lot of runners do that. But unfortunately, Scott didn't see us and I was so pleased that we were at the gate. But I got some pretty awesome pictures and video and it was a really it was a really awesome moment. So Boston Boston was a great experience overall. Yeah, it really was and it it really inspired me. Uh, I've told people it's more of a celebration of running rather than a race. Um, You're running out there with just, like I said, thousands of people uh, running with you, thousands of people watching the race. It's it's a very inspiring event if you ever have the chance to partake in it as a runner or as a spectator. But that really, uh, really struck a chord with me and um, made me passionate about uh, the marathon. Well, at that point... We had another big decision to make in life, and we our lease was up in Fairmont. Right. We we come back from Boston, and it's a- April, and then May, and our lease expires in May. So we had to decide kind of where we wanted to go or what we needed to do, um, especially without having a, a constant income. So we made the choice to uh, come back to the Marietta area where Rachel could teach a little bit at the dance studio that she grew up in. And then we both split time working on my parents' produce farm as well during that summer. So we we actually got a a rental house in in Lowell where where we live now, but we don't live in that house, that same house anymore. But it was a it was a great time being back in a place where we knew people, which was it was great to know people again. Um, I was able to really take off with fitness and get back into dance and just grow my passion for fitness. I feel like I'm addicted to learning new formats now. (laughs) So right after we got back, um, I went ahead and got my license to teach Veriflow and then Amped Resistance followed shortly after. And then now I I just crave learning and getting new formats and learning to teach new things and it's just something that I love doing so um, it's definitely been a roller coaster of a time just adding to my formats and and just perfecting that and and looking back at how I taught then and how I taught now it's very different but uh, it's definitely been a great journey I was teaching at multiple facilities. I believe at one point once once we came back to the Marietta area I was teaching at five different facilities. I was teaching about eight pound classes a week, which is which is quite a bit. Um, it was a overwhelming time for me. Um, I did a lot of driving <laughs> around to the different facilities, and um, at that point, I did that for several years. And uh, I don't know, I it, it gets tiring moving yourself around all the time. Well, and, not only that, but all the equipment you had to take with yeah. you—the ripped sticks, the yoga mats, the different it's, things. It's a lot of running. And at that point in my in my fitness career, I taught at nine different facilities. So over that span of time, you see things that you know really resonate with you in the the fitness industry, and then you see things that you really don't care for. And and I saw both at almost every facility that I taught at, and it gave me a lot of strong ideas as far as how I felt about wellness and how I how I viewed fitness and and what I wanted to bring to the table which is where Rockstar Wellness started to take shape um, right around in 2018, I think is where the spark started for, for Rockstar Wellness. But that is actually um, a different story for another time. And we are going to end our story here today. 
And uh, in our next episode, which you'll definitely want to tune in for, we'll be talking more in detail about how the idea for Rockstar Wellness was born, why we decided to start the facility, what we do that, that is unique and different, and, and how, how we see wellness and, and what we're trying to bring to our community through our facility. So thanks everyone for listening to this uh, first podcast of ours. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, if you uh, like this story or enjoy what you've heard, please feel free to share in your social media. Um, subscribe. Subscribe, please. Yeah. Follow us on our social media, Facebook and Instagram at Rockstar Wellness LLC. We'd love to connect with you. Yeah. And if you're in the area, drop in for a class. Um, yeah. Tell us about your fitness journey. We love helping others reach their goals. And uh, that's really what we're here for, whether it's running or lifting or group exercise. Yeah, that's really Rachel's passion. So that's something that we can definitely help you with. But we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. And we, we hope to have more podcasts out soon.